We are the weirdos, mister. Because you know the original movie. It was all cool and shit. Now look at us. a very special episode of Witch Fix where I will be having something that I have loved for the majority of my life retrospectively ruined. Um, so that's going to be fun. I just thought before I sit down and watch The Craft Legacy, I would talk a teeny bit about my love of the original, the only movie, The Craft, um, which came out in 1996 when I was five years old. So I didn't watch it for a good long while after it had already come out. And for the longest time, I was obsessed with with it, I would look up the trailer. This was before YouTube was a thing. So you'd have to go to like the prehistoric version of IMDb or whatever and just watch the trailer as it had been uploaded in all its grainy goodness. And that was my only experience of the craft for like a really long time. I was already into witchcraft and Wicca and I had seen this film talked about a lot on forums, chiefly because it brought in a load of people that the other people on those forums disapproved of. These being teenagers who were con uh, were constantly hitting people up looking for eye colour changing spells and things like that. Because, you know, teenagers are always going to be young and naive and a bit stupid. So there you go. But this film had a lot of appeal to me. And to be honest, it still does. I hold it in my heart as one of my favourite witchy movies ever. And because it's so popular, I've never bothered doing an episode on it because I feel like if you wanted to, everyone has already seen the craft. But the things that I love about it are one, the entire like alternate fashion subculture type feel of it. It's very grungy. It's very 90s. It's very nostalgic for me. The soundtrack itself is amazing. Even like obviously it has the same uh, music as the theme tune for the uh, for Charmed, so that taps into a lot of witchy memories. But every other song in it is also really good. The performances from all four lead actresses amazing. Chef's kiss could not have done better. I feel like in the mid section there is some scenes missing because I feel like the Rachel True Rochelle racism plot doesn't really go anywhere or get resolved. Like. You see the blonde girl come up to her at the party and say something and then that scene just ends rather abruptly with a cut somewhere else. So that's one of the things that kind of let me down about it. Some things weren't fully explored. There was room for improvement. But overall the film is pretty good and my enjoyment of it has only been heightened by the more I find out about the lore behind it and, you know, how it was put together. Specifically that they had a Wiccan consultant working on the movie who wrote their incantations and who ensured that that material was handled respectfully and that everything was sort of as true to life as it could be without coming off as disrespectful or appropriative um, of the actual original like Wiccan subject matter. It's just very cool. I also love how analogue it is, you know, they go to this witchy shop to, to shoplift, you know, they're not just huddled around someone's laptop in a room like googling witchcraft. There's a lot of atmosphere that like permeates every inch of the movie and it really earns its horror creds as well because you're watching this group first form in this beautiful idyllic friendship and then be cracked apart by like paranoia and something akin to almost addiction in this sort of allegorical way of, of Nancy abusing magic. So I love it. It's a phenomenal film. And when I saw the trailer for Craft Legacy, I had a, a mixed reaction. The first was, if this wasn't a craft movie, I would probably enjoy it because it would just be a movie about witches, another one of many craft clones but with, you know, great production values and a, and a good release. But no, they decided to hitch their horse to this amazing cult film and basically just remake it, but also call it a sequel. And over the top of it all was this kind of millennial idea to it, this very glitter, this very like pink covered book type of witchcraft that isn't really my thing. It's more of a modern thing that isn't to my taste. And I didn't vibe with that. And then one thing that really irritated me is that they gave them like CGI magic powers, which are in the trailer, which I also didn't like that there wasn't really that much CGI in the original movie. It was very much just stuff happening, you know, 
guys asking people out, this and that. There was some stuff like the, you know, the pencil turning on its end, but it was pretty subtle. It wasn't like flames coming out of the hands. And also, the last thing that annoyed me about the trailer was the bath. It starts off very Carrie-esque with one the main character, the new girl, getting her period and the others kind of uh, responding to the, her being mocked by the student body by inviting her over and giving her this like special goddess power bath because she's a woman now and it's a powerful special thing, which is kind of gross. But also, who takes a bath when they're on the period? You're going to end up like that flower covered sparkly bath bombed bath is going to be floating in blood clots before you can say shitty remake and without further ado i'm going to hit play on this bad boy and we're going to see what's going on if the trailer was indicative of the experience i'm going to have or if there is actually a gem somewhere buried under a terrible advertising campaign so let us begin well that was an experience <laughs> Um, okay, we're gonna get into this. Um, I've now watched the entire one hour 34 minute movie over on uh, Amazon. I know you can get it on lots of different digital on-demand places. I think I rented it for about £3.49, so feel free to go over there, shell out nearly four quid, and then make your own mind up. This is just gonna be my opinion on what I've just been through. At the top of the review, however, I would like to trigger warn for homophobia, rape and sexual assault, and discussion of uh, in this uh, review as well, and suicide. So if you're going to be triggered by uh, mention of those subjects, or we talking about how those subjects were addressed in this movie, give this um, review a wide berth, and maybe also do not watch the movie because these themes are quite prominent throughout. Up top, I'm just going to give my general overview thoughts, having, having watched the movie. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. The last, like, 15 minutes really kind of let the movie down because up until that point it was you know doing some stuff that was done before in the original craft but also adding a lot of new stuff to it and I thought it was going to take us to interesting new places in regards to talking about magic and powers and the consequences of same. It then failed to do that. It didn't really live up to the setup it had given itself which was really disappointing and I have to say I do not feel like this deserves to be a craft movie. I feel like it deserves to be on the same level as The Witch Files, which I reviewed previously. It's about teenagers discovering magical powers and hijinks ensue, but I don't think it deserves to be linked to the original craft, because the original craft is kind of iconic. It has a cult following for all the reasons that I've already talked about, and this movie does not live up to that, um, which, which we'll talk about as we go through. But first off, Let's, let's get into the plot summary of Blumhouse's The Craft Legacy. We open on a scene very similar to that in the first film, except that now we actually see the characters gathered around. Uh, the three girls here are Frankie, Tabby and Lords or Lordes. I'm going to say Lordes. I think that's right. Um, they're having a circle and doing some intention setting because it's 2020 and that's what witchcraft has become. Vision boards and intention settings at the full moon because... You know, that's what everyone likes to do. I'm not shitting on it. I'm just saying that it's not my preferred type of thing. There we go. Uh, they start talking about, like, magic and stuff, how they can only do basic spells because they need a fourth. There's kind of an awkward silence when they're calling the quarters and they just look at the empty space like, oh, yeah, there's no one sitting there. To which my response would be, why would you bother? As well as she's going to magically appear, although in this movie she could. So it, it just seems kind of weird that they're doing this knowing it's going to be incomplete. I'm also going to say that one of the things that really bugged me about the movie and really stuck out to me in this first scene was how everyone talks. And they talk in that kind of Juno-esque, hello fellow kids dialogue written by adults for teens. Everything is like, oh JK, OMG, oh this is so cool, look at those kicks man. And it just felt very tooth-grittingly teeny in a way that really bugged me. And I found this opening scene quite cringy. And specifically, this was down to Frankie, who I don't blame the actress for this because I feel like this is the role she was given. This is the role she was told to play. But she's kind of the wacky friend who's always like talking a mile a minute and dropping in all this like slang and being like the cool kooky one. And it just falls completely flat for me, so I did not appreciate her character at all. Now that that's over the way, um, they 
talk about how they want to have a fourth so that they can do better magic and communicate telepathically, which is apparently something that they're working up towards. So, obviously, we're now going to be introduced to the fourth girl. Not after a rip-off of the original craft opening, you know, the yellow letters on the blue sky background and, like, the, the shifting images. So, that's ripped off. And then we're introduced to Lily, who's in a car with her mum. They're having a sing-along to Alanis Morissette, which is, like, the only song that I could identify on the soundtrack. The soundtrack's okay, it's just kind of forgettable. And lots of the music that they play doesn't have lyrics, so it's not really like the original soundtrack in that sense. Also, you know, I'm old, I don't keep up with this modern music, so that was the only song I could identify. Anywho, they're having this like sing-along and then Lily starts to cry because they're moving and obviously she's left her old life behind and it's really sad. When they arrive at this new place, Lily gets out her Polaroid camera and starts snapping pictures and then they make this worse by having um, her mum's new boyfriend, David Duchovny, uh, come out and talk about how it's so old school and analogue and it's like we're dropping in a lot of stuff here that's like retro as cool and it's like it's not like the original craft wasn't really retro it was just of its time and you trying to draw attention to that by dropping in these like hipsterish things is just very cringy to me I did not enjoy it also motherfucking David Duchovny He's like the Paget Brewster of this movie in that I don't understand why he's here. He seems like he's too good for this, but David Duchovny's in this film. Um, they basically are moving in with her mum's new boyfriend and his three sons because their relationship has progressed to that point now. And we're given to sort of assume that Lily's dad is dead, but we'll find out later that that's not the case. Uh, we meet his three sons who are called Isaiah, Jacob and Abe. Big red flags. Three of them. Biblical names. Watch out. Uh, then there's this weird, like, the, the camera just goes up to this window and then there's just a sudden cut to the same window but at night, but with, like, loud operatic music. And it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life, so I thought I'd mention that. The guys are kind of, like, rough housing. It's clearly Lily doesn't really feel comfortable being in this house with her mum's new man. And uh, it's, it's, it's being a little bit difficult on her, which I can sympathise with. I kind of like the direction that we were going in with that. It's at least a different setup to the setup for Sarah in the original craft. So, you know, points for originality. Uh, when Lily goes up to her room, her mum joins her and says, you know, new, first day at new school tomorrow. Lily kind of makes it seem like she was bullied before and didn't have any friends, which I find it hard to believe because she's a generically attractive white girl with no special characteristics except for her Polaroid camera. So why wouldn't she have friends? Boggles the mind. But there we go. Uh, her mum then says that her difference is her power which is also kind of cringe. I mean, I get that she's saying it to, like, ch cheer up her teenage daughter, but it's, like, one of those things of, like, oh, you're just getting bullied because you're... the other kids are jealous of you, and it's like, well, that's that's not true. She's being bullied because other kids are dicks, and being different doesn't make necessarily make you special or powerful. It just means that you're different. And we aren't really shown in what way she is meant to be different. So um, there we go relationship set up between her mum and Lily. It feels kind of like the Lorelai Gilmore Gilmore Girls type friendship where it's like the mum's all cool and kooky and down with the kids and the mum and the daughter's kind of like more serious. So I, I didn't really feel it that much. But there we go. Uh, the next day Lily is in class wearing light wash jeans when she suddenly gets her period, which I've been there when I went to see Scooby-Doo 2 at the cinema. But um, it's it's just kind of weird the way this scene works because like there's blood like running off the chair and onto the floor, which is how people notice it. But that has never happened to me. I don't know if some people just get like massively heavier periods than I do, but it just soaks into the cloth and will like get onto whatever's underneath you. But I don't see it like dripping off the chair like she's peed or something. That's weird. But I'm prepared to assume that maybe some people get heavier periods than I do. Whatever. And one of her new stepbrothers, sort of, called Jacob, um, mocks her with his friend Timmy, who has a, like two calls their bully Timmy. Was Chad taken? Timmy's a weird name. Uh, but they make fun of her, and the three girls from before notice her and you know feel apparently sorry for this incident because they follow her to the bathroom where she runs in tears, and they give her a pair of like, gym shorts to wear, and they talk about like how it's nothing to be embarrassed about. They don't give her new underwear or any pads or tampons, which seems like a weird oversight. Like, her underwear is definitely trashed and she definitely needs something to stop. The same thing happening to these new shorts. 
But whatever, I, I guess they just didn't think of that. Frankie delivers the incredibly cringy line, your flow is heavy and that is something to celebrate. The fact that the other two girls react to her saying this as if it's embarrassing does not make it any less cringy. It just shouldn't be in the movie. After they've given her the shorts, uh, they invite her to sit with them in the cafeteria. One of the girls remarks like, oh, you can sit with us. No one else wants to sit with us. It is never explained why these girls are meant to be unpopular. In the original craft, you can see how different Nancy and Rochelle and Nev Campbell, I've forgotten her name in the movie, um, look to the Bonnie, thank you. Look to the rest of the student populace. You've got Bonnie with her like greasy hair pulled down and she's wearing this like big coat, even though it's clearly quite hot out. You've got Rochelle, who's the only black girl at this fucking school, and you've got Nancy who's like full goth. You can see how different they are to everyone else. These three girls, aside from the fact that one of the characters is trans, which they're pretty cis passing, so there you go, and we don't see them having any like transphobic bullying, so it's not even clear if that's a reason for being singled out. There are other people of colour at this school. They're dressed exactly like everyone else. Why are these girls supposedly less popular? Is it because everyone knows that they're practising witchcraft? Because again, we don't see anyone commenting on this or calling them witches or saying they're weird, like in the original movie where Sarah gets warned off them. There is literally no reason presented as to why they wouldn't be popular, just as there's no reason or anything implied as to why Lily is herself unpopular at her previous school. They notice that she has a symbol on her necklace, which is like the four element symbol from their book of witchcraft. So they get really excited and ask her to hang out with them later. And it's revealed that Frankie has a big crush on Jacob, one of the stepbrothers, but nothing comes of this. So it's not important. At home, Lily goes into her stepdad's study. Uh, his name is Adam for what it's worth. He has got this article on the wall about himself that says, man up, how Adam Harrison is getting to the heart of the crisis of masculinity. And he's also written a book or several books, one of which is called The Hallowed Masculine. I don't know what this is meant to mean, because on one hand, he could be this guy who's, you know, spreading incredibly toxic masculinity, encouraging people to man up. But at the same time, the use of it in the title, like Man Up, getting to the heart of the crisis of masculinity, could also imply that he's fighting back against that stereotype and encouraging men to be more in touch with their feelings. It's never really clarified until much later on, like what the deal is with this. It's just shown on screen and you're meant to draw something from it, but I don't know what. While she's flipping through the book, she appears to notice something in it and then drops the book in shock. But then I also, having watched the scene back, think maybe she heard a noise, but... She drops the book and then investigates a sound, which turns out to be like screaming. She opens a door and finds one of her stepbrothers like masturbating, which is kind of rude to just bust into his room like that. I feel like Lily should have just left him alone, but okay. Um, and then is shocked and goes to her room. So Lily doesn't seem to understand boundaries is my takeaway from this. So she's like snooping in her stepdad's office. She's busting into people's rooms while they're having private time. It's kind of a recurring theme of... Things happening to Lily that are meant to make it seem like she's, you know, innocent or like that something creepy is going on. But it's really just Lily being a bad person, which is a theme of the movie. Then they have a barbecue. Adam's really keen on grilling because I guess he's an alpha male. Uh, and Lily finds her jeans completely clean on her bed. But her mum then says that she didn't do it. So it's confusing. Also, whoever managed to get like that ocean of blood out of those light wash jeans deserves an award because that they look brand new. They look like a different pair of jeans. Uh, but there we go. She says she didn't do it. It's never cleared up who did this or why they did it. It's just there to be kind of weird and unsettling. But um, I don't know what I was meant to take away from this, that her like, future stepdad did some laundry. Also, why were her bloody jeans just hanging around? Like, how did she lose track of them and not clean them herself immediately? How lazy is she? But anyway, that moment's there for what it's worth. Lily then showers and in her towel just decides to do some more snooping, looking through an open door into her, like, other future stepbrother's room where he has a snake in a terrarium. We then get some flashing images of, like, a knife and a snake and then she wakes up screaming from a scary dream. But, I mean, she was probably still snooping, unless the snooping was just part of the dream, in which case she even snoops when she's asleep. Jacob then makes uh, a weird token effort to get Timmy to stop picking on her at school. Uh, but, you know, Timmy's still being a jerk. So she telekinetically pushes him into some lockers and the other girls notice 
and then psychically message her when she's in detention to tell her that she's their fourth and to come outside and meet them because they're going to go do, you know, witch shit together. My question is, how did she get detention when she didn't physically touch this boy? This will be important later because people keep making it seem like, you know, she did something and it's wrong. But how on earth did they prove that when, if he's such a toxic dude, he's not going to say, oh yeah, this like 90 pound girl threw me across a hallway into some lockers and no one else would have seen her touch him because she didn't. So I don't understand how this is giving credence is my point. But there we go. They all meet up and they ask her how long she's been practicing like witchcraft and how long she's known she's a witch. She's confused because she's never heard any of this shit. Uh, then they get talk about this some more. But it implies that being a witch is something you discover about yourself as opposed to something you start doing. And then they back this up by saying that your power has to come from somewhere, that there has to be a witch in your family. Now, in the original movie, Sarah was a hereditary witch because her dead mother was a witch before her. The others were not. They had just discovered witchcraft and started practicing it, and they still had powers. Although Sarah was apparently more powerful than them, but arguably only because she performed a special ritual to get that power. This movie makes it seem like witches is like a special class of something that you have to be born into, which is already an issue within like the pagan community and a sore spot for many that people say like, oh, well, you can't just pick it up and start doing it. I maintain that you absolutely can. You're not like a special separate race of person. It's just about people who decide to, it's like starting to learn French. Yes, you can be born French, but some have Frenchness thrust upon them. I've forgotten my point, but there we go. Um, they then discuss the stages of magic, which thankfully never comes up again, but it's like stage one is being able to do something. Stage two is like freezing time. And then there's stage three, which they don't tell her what it is. And stage four is shape-shifting. I feel like this is just here to make shape-shifting known as an ability for something that happens later in the movie. So that's very clumsily dropped here. Throughout this conversation, Frankie continues to be very overexcited and cringy. And everyone calls her a Twilight Stan, which... Who is a Twilight Stan in 2020? Who is unironically using the word Stan in 2020? Unless, you know, your name is Stanley. It, it it just felt very cringy to me. I, maybe it's just because I'm not the generation, the age target for this movie, but it felt very embarrassing. <laughs> anyway, Lily reveals that she doesn't know anything about her ancestry, which sets up something that's meant to be a surprise, but blatantly isn't. And, you know, we'll get there later. She does, however, agree to be their fourth, and then they take her to cast a circle in the woods and basically do that scene from the craft where they, you know, took the bus out to the woods and did magic together. Um, it's during the scene that Lourdes is revealed to be a trans woman, uh, played by Zoe Luna, who is actually trans. So I'm going to give the movie a point here for actually casting a trans person to play a trans person, which is apparently difficult for so many other productions, but they managed it. Woo. Uh, overall, the, the casting of the girls is suitably diverse, maybe more so than the original. So I'll give them that as well. They open what looks like a bedazzled toolbox, like covered in rhinestones with these little glass vials that you can buy at craft stores, full of like what looks like glitter that you can also buy at craft stores. And there's like a bedazzled picture of what looks like the Virgin Mary in the lid, which is like their traveling magic kit, which thankfully we only see twice because it's stupid. Um, they cast a circle in the woods and they do the same ritual, I think, that was in like the original when they went out to the woods down to the CGI butterflies flapping around. Um, but then they ruin it all by freezing time, which I have a real problem with this movie and the way it depicts magic. Because before they had like butterflies coming down, uh, which is obviously kind of magical, but also something that can happen in nature. It's possible. And in this, they've got just like fire coming out of their, uh, their hands, time freezing. Like in the original craft, everything was very natural. It was just like lighting candles and then the butterflies coming. And it wasn't until sort of the midpoint of the movie where we moved into the supernatural, where like people were changing their hair colours. And then we did like, the, you know, that was the big important ritual. And then suddenly Nancy could walk on water. And it felt very much like we were edging into something unsettling, that this was a growing power. And that kind of added to the horror elements of the movie. 
In this, we just kind of start with CGI and continue with CGI, and there is no real advancement of their powers. They don't move from the more natural to the supernatural. It's just all supernatural all the time. And it feels like by the end of the movie, when there's meant to be like this big crescendo where they're like actually using their magical powers, they haven't really grown from anything, so it's less satisfying. It's just very unsubtle, and the effects do not look that great. They then, on what seems to be the same day, agree to go to Timmy's house, break in using a hider key, and cast a spell on him. This is a lot for day one of their friendship. Um, I think in the original they like met, and then they went shoplifting, which is also a crime, but it's not like a breaking and entering crime. I feel like you work up to that. But anywho, they, they get into his room, they notice that he has a Ouija board, which they think is weird, uh, and then they decide that they need a physical link to him to do the spell and use a used condom for this, which is like a big chuckles moment because, ew, that's gross. They then say that they need a cauldron to, to do this spell uh, and use an, a, an old bong that they find to do it in. So it kind of reminded me of Switch, you know, where they would just find any container object and chuck magic shit into it. Um, so they, they put the condom in there with some rose oil, angelica and rose quartz and they do a spell to awaken Timmy's highest self. So it's not like a curse or a hex or anything, which I quite appreciated. They're just trying to make him a better person. They do then anoint his pillow with this like mixture of used condom and oils, which is gross. Uh, but then uh, they hear people coming home and three of them jump out of the window. But unfortunately, Lily is trapped in the bedroom and only manages to get out by freezing time again. Uh, and like leaving they then gamble into the night with some slow motion like hugging and laughing and isn't friendship wonderful we then get cut into a montage out of nowhere because you know the original movie had one of those too and they do the levitation scene like in like in the first movie uh, and then we get uh, tabby like flaming graffiti off of her locker with like her magic fire hands uh, which um I guess is a, a good use of your time. They play with a Ouija board. I thought it was one that they had stolen from Timmy, but I guess not. They just bought one separately. They read auras, which is terrible CGI. Um, the bath scene then happens, but thankfully I think this is after the period. So my original complaint about how you're going to be sitting in a weird ball your base of your own blood season with flowers doesn't really apply to this scene, which is great. Um, then we get some CGI and, and sparkly shit just coming out of the bath, magically, which raises a whole new complaints on my part. Um, then this one guy is like bullying a guy in a hallway, so Lourdes turns his hoodie pride flag coloured, and that's meant to be like a punishment somehow, I guess. And then they wrap up this montage by freezing everyone in the cafeteria somehow and like messing with them while well, they're frozen so you know montage they're, they're, they're doing the powers uh adam then comes into lily's room with her mum to talk about her assault on timmy which once again i don't think he would have complained of and i don't think there would be any evidence to take this as far as talking to her parent about it but there we go he then says that she has disappointed him he's very disappointed in her behavior and he gets annoyed at her for interrupting him the movie kind of frames this as him being unreasonable and too authoritarian, but I think he is kind of stepping his bounds. I mean, being there at all is kind of like he probably shouldn't be there because this is something her mum should be talking to her about. But I don't think he's being exceptionally harsh the way the movie wants me to think. Like he doesn't do anything like or inflict any punishment or ground her he just says he's disappointed in her and tells her off for interrupting him which all right is hypocritical because i think he originally interrupts her and then she tries to continue her point and he tells her off for interrupting but it's not as red flaggy as the movie seems to want me to think it is um because he's not like putting his foot down grounding her taking away her laptop or like cutting her mum's attempts at parenting her off it, it just feels kind of like mishandled uh, and kind of normal in the situation the movie really tries to implicate David Duchovny as the bad guy but it's so ham-fisted that it, it just it didn't really work for me and there was too much ambiguous stuff and not enough actual stuff to get mad about like they hadn't really made him that villainous to me by the end of the film uh, where spoiler alert he is the villain 
That night, Lily hears her mum and Adam arguing, so she goes outside, where she finds his youngest child just sort of hanging out away from the yelling. And he says that his dad does like this style of parenting out of love and that power equals order, which is something he's apparently drilled into his kids and talks about in his seminars, which obviously not great, but not hugely problematic either. It's just kind of hovering there in the middle. It's revealed through this, however, that Lily doesn't know who her dad is and never met him. We then cut to class where they're playing a quite dated looking video about consent, which I'll give it to them is a lot more subtle than what happened in the Charmed pilot where someone just started lecturing other people about consent. It's like a video, it's in a class, I can kind of see how this would legitimately happen. And there's a moment where the guys are kind of making fun of this video and then Timmy speaks up and says, you know, stop being gross. That's disgusting. So clearly their spell is working. He's become more heightened. He's experiencing a lot of self-awareness all of a sudden and sort of understanding these higher concepts, like how that behavior impacts other people. So that's pretty good. The girls then do some like glamour makeovers with magic, which involve a lot of like stick-on sequins and pearlescent eyeshadow. Uh, and they and they agree to discuss everything to do with Timmy, like if they are going to do more spells about him, that they'll talk about it first, which I don't see why they need to have this talk unless they're aware of stuff that's going to happen later in the film. Because at this point, they all decided to do a spell on him, and then they did a spell on him. No one went rogue, no one needs to be reminded that they all need to discuss it. The only reason to have this conversation is so that they can be mad about the betrayal later on in the movie. So, they do that. They then go to a party and this random blonde girl just says to Lily like, oh, I really love period dramas. There's some lacklustre bullying in this movie. It's it's nothing compared to the bullying in the original craft. Like there was like full on racist, mean bullies who talked about like Neve Campbell's burn scars and Nancy being a whore and all this other stuff. And this is just like, oh, hey, I love period dramas because periods. These people should be ashamed. But there we go, um, Frankie causes this girl's head to like bounce off the wall behind her and is like, hey, words can hurt, but also telekinetic shoving can hurt way more. So you've responded to like slight verbal harassment with a physical assault, which isn't great. Anywho, Timmy approaches Lily and apologizes for his behavior and like the power plays of his bullying. Um, he then talks to the girls who react like he is some sort of amazing prince charming because he's displaying basic decency which um really shows how low the bar is and he even comments on this himself so um it's weird that he's just suddenly attractive to these girls because he's displaying like basic awareness that they are people but there we go um frankie is now into timmy now because she's into I think every dude that they come across um, and Lord is worried about how far the spell will go because they've never done a spell with like I guess semen before and this could be like too powerful and ongoing. Lily reveals that the necklace with the symbol on it was from her mum. Uh, she got it when she was really little and um, that's never brought up again like where it came from or how her mum came to have it in her possession. More on that later. Timmy admits that he lost his mum when he was young and he has the Ouija board because he tries to contact her with it sometimes because her loss like hurt him really deeply. And this is the point where I realised that Timmy is the best person in this movie. Like, he does basically nothing wrong after the first like 15 minutes. Like, he makes fun of a girl for getting her period and makes a couple of mean jokes and then becomes literally a saint and does not deserve any of the stuff that's going to happen to him. So, um... I feel bad for Timmy. Timmy starts spending more time with the girls, which upsets Jacob, his friend. Isaiah is rude to Tabs when they're all over at um, Adam's house, I guess, um, and says that she should... And basically, she picks up a controller to play a game with him, and he tells her to put it down. So the girls ruin the TV with their brains, which seems kind of um, overkill, considering that she didn't ask before like touching his stuff, which is... It just feels like a lot of the stuff they do is just an overreaction and that by the same kind of woke logic that governs their actions against like Timmy, they are in the wrong in a lot of other situations. So um, that bears remembering. Um, so they were all hanging out together. They played two truths, one lie. 
uh, and they kind of joke about stuff and have fun. But then Timmy is kind of um, allowed to be vulnerable in this truth-sharing circle, and he says that he and Isaiah hooked up, and that Isaiah hasn't spoken to him since, and that if Jacob ever found out about it, he doesn't know what would happen to their friendship, and he's really worried about it. And he like cries in front of them. It's really kind of an amazing and very raw scene, and it's just like, oh wow, this is like a guy being allowed to be like honest and vulnerable about his emotions and talk about how he might be bi and he's confused and he doesn't feel like he can talk to anyone about it. Rightly, the girls get kind of worried about this and about the extent of the spell and all this stuff that's coming out, but they are quite supportive of him and that's really nice, but at the same time, it feels icky because that he's under the influence of something that they've done to him that is what is causing all this. Um, so that feels kind of gross. And then it gets more gross in a bit, and the movie never really deals with the implications of that, as we'll see later. It appears that the girls are not allowed to be at the house, because when Adam comes home, uh, they are quickly ejected uh, by Lily. I don't think it was ever stated in the film that they're not allowed to be there for whatever reason. I don't think they even had a scene with them meeting Adam at any point, but they have to leave. And Adam talks about his work uh, and about like the breakthroughs he's making with uh, some of his patients, I guess. Jacob seems really annoyed at Timmy, and then Lily goes upstairs, and this is the moment where I started to really hate Lily, because she became the villain of the movie for like a solid half hour. Um, so Lily finds Timmy's jacket discarded in her room, and she smells it because she likes him, I guess, and that's kind of moderately creepy. But then she gets into bed with the jacket and lights a red candle and proceeds to masturbate. And if you flip the genders in that scenario, like a guy comes into his room and finds a piece of a female friend's clothing and then proceeds to like masturbate with it, that would be disgusting and wrong. And in her case, it's also disgusting and wrong. And she's casting a love spell on him, like calling him to her. And okay, in the original craft movie, they also cast a love spell because they were kind of ignorant of the implications of that. And the implications of that were spelled out in the movie that they had corrupted this guy's free will and, and turned him into something that was not himself. In this movie, they were in a class with a tape on consent. They clearly know a lot about like feminist stuff uh, and they're very kind of up on that feminist stuff and talking about it with each other. But she thinks this is okay to take someone who is already that same day been like really open and vulnerable about his like kind of messed up relationship uh, and how he's like questioning himself. And she thinks this is the time to get all sexy and creepy with his discarded clothing and cast a love spell on him to bring him to her room. And the movie, although she is chastised for certain aspects of this, does not make enough out of the fact that this is basically rape so the minus a thousand points for not paying attention to your own movie and the politics of consent that you are talking about so moving on from that timmy busts in because he left his shirt there and she tells him that it's not there so she's lying to him now because the shirt is you know in her bed and uh, she says she has no idea where it is they look at some of her polaroids that she's taken and then he kisses her uh, at this point, I hoped that the movie was at some point going to address that what she's doing is really wrong, but it doesn't. So that's disappointing. Uh, Lily then wakes up in the night, uh, long after Timmy has left, uh, after their kiss, but he seems kind of excited about their relationship. Um, but she wakes up in the night to see a shadow reflected in her mirror. And then when she goes to the corner of the room where the shadow is, it's revealed to be Isaiah apparently sleepwalking and uh, Jacob comes to get him. This sleepwalking is never mentioned previously and never mentioned now, like, after this. So I think it's just there to be a little bit creepy. Um, Isaiah is also barely mentioned in the film from this point onwards, despite, you know, what is about to happen. So the next day, everyone goes to school. The teacher comes in all sad and announces that Timmy has killed himself and his body has been found in his room. Which, damn. Like what a serious turn for the movie to take and i kind of agree with this turn because they've done some spells they've manipulated this guy emotionally obviously there's going to be fallout from that uh, you know opening someone up to like these things to talk about 
when they're not ready can be quite damaging to them. So I appreciate that kind of consequence to the magic. But at the same time, we never really see Isaiah react to this and we don't see Lily react to it in an appropriate way. Because what happens is the girls like go to have a confab and talk about how they might be responsible because they pushed him to reveal this secret that he clearly wasn't ready to share with their magic. And then Lily confesses to casting the love spell and the girls get mad at her, not because she coerced someone into sexual activity with her but because she put her crush over their friendship and mutual trust and that promise that they made apropos of nothing to discuss if they were going to do any more spells on Timmy. So I feel like they are mad, justifiably so, but about the wrong thing. Uh, so they basically say that they don't want to associate with her anymore, they don't really want to do magic anymore and Tabby says if they can't be responsible with magic they shouldn't be doing it so they agree to take a break which is very mature and appreciated but again wrong reasons. Later that night Liddy is spying again on Adam's like sharing circle downstairs, they seem to have a truth stick and they're going around and he talks about weakness and about how if one person is weak everyone is weak and that they need to get rid of the weak to save the strong he confronts Jacob and he says Jacob is not weak, but Timmy was weak uh, and that's bad. And then Jacob kind of like primal screams out his grief, I guess. Shit's messed up. Um, but Lily's spying on them and I kind of thought that she was going to go down a dark path now because, spoiler alert, it's pretty clear that her uncertain parentage is going to link her to the original craft. Like the movie's called Craft Legacy. How dumb do you think we are? I thought maybe she had some badness about her that was going to come out. She was going to decide that the other girls were weak, just as Nancy decided that Sarah was weak. Um, but that doesn't happen. Uh, but there we go. She then goes to snoop around in Adam's office again and notices some symbols on the wall, like framed, uh, which is like some snakes and some knives and basically all the stuff from her scary dream. And he comes in and says that it's a family crest and that the snakes mean rebirth. And basically, Adam apologises for being so harsh on her. And I think it's pretty cool that he did apologise. I mean, that's going to be completely not mattering by the end of the movie, but damn decent of him to apologise. She then has the dream again and wakes up screaming. Uh, she tells her mum that she thinks Adam is dangerous, which, where did that come from? I mean, she's right. He's David Duchovny. There's a reason he's in this movie, but you know she has no evidence and her mum says that they should probably go somewhere, just the two of them, and spend some quality time, basically assuming that this is all down to grief. On the day of Timmy's funeral, Lily searches through Adam's stuff and finds a file in his things on her because he was helping her mum sort out all the paperwork to do with her when registering for the new school. So it's not creepy that he has a file on her in his office. I just want to make that clear. Um, but when she goes through there, she finds her adoption papers and like looks at them and sees that her full name is Lilith, and then it puts her adopted mother down as her mother Helen. Apparently she did not know she was adopted, because when her mum comes in, she freaks out, because obviously she's been lied to. And her mum says that her birth mother wanted secrecy, and for Lily to never know that she was adopted, so that's why she's kept this big secret. And it was due to trauma, and because her mother, I'm going to call her Helen, Helen is her adopted mother. And because Helen met the mother at a crisis centre, she wanted to respect those wishes and hide her past. So it's pretty obvious that the real, like, the birth mother is Nancy. Somehow. Don't know who the father is. Did we even see Nancy sleep with anyone in the original Craft movie? Can't remember. But, um, yeah, her mum's Nancy. Anyway, so Lily's obviously pretty disturbed. She tries to go up to the other three girls at the wake and try and tell them this huge secret she's found out about herself. But they don't want anything to do with her because she's a rapist but no one will say that to her face um so she feels rejected and she accidentally then force pushes helen um which is obviously very upsetting i do not feel sorry for lily i'm sorry but it's just ruined any sympathy that i had for her character and to be honest i feel like she's the real villain of the movie um I don't think she has any redeeming characteristics at this point. Uh, Lily's mum that says she wants to take Lily away because they shouldn't have moved in with Adam. It was too fast. And she wants to help her like deal with this emotional trauma. Um, the three girls then have a confab on their own and decide that 
it's rule one of their craft apparently that if you misuse your powers you get bound this was never previously discussed um, but they decide that not only has lily broken this rule but all of them have so they bind all four of themselves again good decision very mature wrong reasons Lily's mum then on the same day as the funeral she just surprise packs all of Lily's stuff into the car and says that they can leave but first Lily has to promise that she will stop it with these powers because they are dangerous and Lily's like what you knew and her mum's like yeah I was warned that your legacy was a curse and you have to give it up um and then her mum's like I want to carry this curse for you and I was like oh okay so that's not her mum but um, there we go. She says she wants to carry the curse for her. She tells her her difference is dangerous as opposed to, you know, her strength. Both are wrong, but for different reasons. And says that she has to take her hand and say, in the name of Manon, I give you my power. So she slaps her mum, having realised that she's a fake mum. And the and Helen suddenly shapeshifts into David Duchovny, who is the real evil of this piece, except Lily is. And uh, he then vanishes... Lily looks around confusedly for a second and then he reappears seemingly exactly where he was before and just cold cocks her in the face, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But there we go. Uh, the three girls are hanging out somewhere and the Ouija board spells out a message, he killed me from Timmy. Somehow, even though it doesn't say who he is and it could be a lot of different people like Isaiah would be top of my list, they correctly assume that it's David Duchovny and go rushing to the rescue. Meanwhile, Lily wakes up in the dark woods and finds her powers don't work because she's been bound. Uh, and so she can't protect herself. David Duchovny, who seems bored <laughs> to be in this movie, uh, delivers a speech about how she's weak. The, the subtext here being that women are too weak to have power. And then it stops being subtext and just becomes text. Um, he says that Helen's currently tied up and that her real mom is also tied up, but in a different way. And that she eventually gave in and gave him her powers which is what he wants from lily and he gives her like an easy way or a hard way and she's like you'll have to kill me and he's like cool and then he kind of looks like he's going to try and punch her to death which is not efficient and then the other girls show up uh, unbinding their powers and attacking him uh, david duchovny and his black demon eyes uh, then come back on online <laughs> come back online uh, like a terminator because they did freeze him but he not he not frozen him the girls say, like, he says, like, you should be careful in the woods because there's weirdos out here. And they're like, we are the weirdos, mister. Because, you know, the original movie was all cool and shit. Now look at us. Then they force push him over and they use some CGI to try and trap a very bored looking David Duchovny in a circle. But he then force pushes a bunch of them away. And he admits to killing Timmy for seemingly no reason. Uh, and he says it was to restore order because Timmy wasn't acting like a man. He had been contaminated and he wanted to restore the world order, which is men in charge, women not in charge. Because who needs subtext when you have bold text? The girls then realise that they're in a compass point formation around him and basically do a shortened version of the beach ritual from the original craft movie. And this kills him by setting him on fire. Yay! We then get the last scene of the movie. It's daylight, everything's fine. The girls are like chatting and shit. They talk to Helen and say, hey, dated any warlocks lately? So I guess David Duchovny was a warlock. That's never really discussed. It feels like that just got lifted from the pilot episode, like the original Charmed. Like, oh yeah, boyfriend was a warlock. Ooh, bad. Power thief. Then they all group hug, because sisterhood. And she goes to visit her birth mother, which turns out to be Nancy, who they got to appear for like 12 seconds of screen time before the end of the movie. And that's the end of the film. Final thoughts. I don't think this is a bad film. I don't think like some of the other people are saying that this is like too woke or like the craft trying to be PC because I don't think, you know, casting non-white actors and including trans women is a bad choice i think it was pretty great actually i thought from the trailer with all the period stuff that it was going to be very lisa lister rah rah pussy power magical vagina time but it wasn't like that and i feel like the the trailer did it a disservice by making it appear that way um so that was nice uh, to see that it was a little bit more inclusive. And I didn't even find that the discussions, like the topics they were talking about were like too woke. 
or self-consciously so because I'd seen the Charmed pilot and that was worse so I had become numbed to it slightly and I felt like they made the effort to at least try and be a little bit more subtle with some of the subtext like the power dynamics at home it wasn't very fleshed out David Duchovny's character and motivations were poorly conceived and poorly included but an attempt was made and that was kind of okay similarly it didn't really bother me like what happened to um timmy like them trying to like elevate him to be a higher version of himself was an interesting way to not do the same love spell plot as the first film but still show that magically interfering with people has consequences which is uh, an interesting thing and i think definitely has to be in any craft movie uh, because it's sort of a main element of that first film what annoys me is that the kind of social justice stuff they included wasn't terribly well thought out and basically they made some of their own characters the bad guys but that didn't seem to be a conscious choice like it was a choice for them to be uh, upset and angry that they had somehow done this to timmy even though they hadn't because it was david Duchovny what done it but they didn't get angry at lily for the right reasons i.e her disgusting behavior so it felt like on the one hand the movie's trying to call out toxic masculinity uh sexism bullying not really any racism it didn't really include any of that stuff which is weird because you know the original film did it you'd think it would be included more in a more modern version but they didn't look at that they didn't even include any transphobia really um but it feels like they're trying to like push all this stuff and be like this is inappropriate but then they're having like their main character their heroine do something that's debatably worse than just making fun of someone for getting their period so i feel like it kind of fails because it's not listening to the message that it's trying to send also i don't feel like it should have been a craft movie i I said it at the beginning of the review it didn't need to be and having this like last 12 seconds where it's just related back to nancy feels weak and kind of retrospectively ruins the original film because now i know where nancy ends up and it's it's not as mysterious and intriguing anymore so i feel like that was a mistake and it would have been better to just call it something else just a movie about witches but i guess then it wouldn't have gotten as much press it wouldn't have got as much free advertising for blumhouse and uh, wouldn't have made as much money as it did so it seems like a fairly cynical attempt to just cash in on the craft name i've said it a couple of times but i think what i would like to see from a craft remake reboot um, would be something that follows the same characters or similar characters but at an age which people who enjoyed the original craft would be now so sort of like late 20s mid 30s housewives or otherwise professional women discovering witchcraft and facing different problems to like teenagers would face like sexism harassment in the workplace um bad marriages uh, kids and things like that disappointments with your own life i think that would be interesting to address those issues because i feel like covering old ground doesn't really leave you with a lot of space to say anything new and this movie doesn't really say anything new it just says some of the same things that the craft said but less well (laughs) um which is disappointing i think the diverse casting was a good choice the actresses definitely do okay like there's no bad acting in here but it feels like some of the characterizations weren't that great and weirdly i feel like even though there's like more like people of color different like queer representation they're given less screen time even than like rachel true was in the original craft they feel kind of added on it's mainly a film about lily and the other three girls don't really get a look in. So that's unfortunate. And I feel like, again, they've been kind of chronically underused. Essentially, my main gripe and the reason I think this film feels so unfulfilling to me, as opposed to the original craft, putting aside all the stylistic stuff, all of the plot elements that I don't really think make sense, all of that stuff, the central message of the original craft was the lesson delivered by the occult shop owner which is that true magic is not black or white it's both because people are both that may or may not be a slightly indirect quote but the whole point of that is that nancy is a 
bad person essentially inside and so ends up using magic for bad things and the threat coming from inside the group just shows that magic itself is not evil or good it's just a thing that exists and this new version completely sidesteps that entire and very important message to say magic is all good and goddessy sparkles glitter flower baths and then there's whatever david duchovny is doing so there is very much good magic and evil magic even what is meant to be like unintended consequences of the girl's magic the death of timmy is shown just to be a murder committed by the evil character in the movie david duchovny so it doesn't really make that lesson and since like, recording the original review because this is a bit of an add-on i've gone and watched other people's reviews of this film and i did not know that they had like witch consultants like working on the film but i think it has been very much infiltrated and affected by the idea that witchcraft is just this cute cutesy millennial pink book thing which is all about self-care and spiritual baths and setting intentions at the full moon and it's no longer really about witchcraft it's become a kind of lifestyle self-help book kind of movement and it isn't tapping into any of that darker stuff it's afraid of it and that's why we don't have that same message as the original film because magic cannot be something that is both dark and light it has to be something good and positive and life-affirming because that's what the movement is now um and obviously this isn't a craft from my generation this isn't a craft for the way that i learned about witchcraft uh, because the original craft came from i guess more of a wiccan standpoint but i find it upsetting that this is the craft movie like aimed at this generation because this is what witchcraft has become and i think that's what i find so frustrating about the film is that it is championing a kind of witchcraft which to me isn't even really witchcraft and not imparting some of the really important lessons that I think the craft, original craft did so well in the way it talked about witchcraft and was kind of true to my understanding of magic in that way. Uh, it just feels like this is a, a little bit more of a sanitised, kid-friendly version, uh, which I don't really appreciate that much. I think I can kind of sum up my feelings about it in the way that in the reviews that I listened to, which I'm going to try and find the, the video and, and post a link down below, they said that the spells and stuff were specifically written in this so as to be ineffective, which just shows to me a complete misunderstanding of what a spell actually is. A spell isn't saying magic words that work all on their own. If Even if you're sitting in a circle with candles lit, that's, that's still not enough to actually do it. I imagine if you don't even believe in magic, uh, which the actresses may or may not be interested in that, uh, and also being surrounded by like an entire film crew, probably having to film the same thing over and over again for like different shots, or if you mess up, it's not going to be a typical sitting in a circle casting a spell experience. So you don't really need to write a spell that isn't going to work, quote unquote, because no spell is guaranteed to work just based on how it's phrased. So it seems to me like the people they had consulting on this have either been misrepresented by the review that I saw uh, and like the sort of googling that I did around that or they just didn't really understand what a spell does. Like in the original craft their consultant like wrote the spells and stuff and they invented this fake deity uh, Manon so that they wouldn't be calling on like an actual real deity and I think that makes sense because if you like it's a thing in many religions, like people don't like you saying like Jesus Christ or oh my God, because it's like perceived as you calling on God for no reason. Like that's a commonly held belief. But to think that a spell is going to work just because you say the words is just bananas to me. So I, I think that kind of covers my feelings of the different approaches taken to witchcraft quite nicely. Even saying all of that and with the massive problems that I have with certain aspects of the plot, this is still quite a good movie about witches. Like, if this was just called, I don't know, Lily's Revenge, let's call it that, and I'd just seen it on Amazon, I'd just be like, okay, wow, this is like a fairly good fake craft movie that has witches in it, it says some interesting stuff about witchcraft, certain aspects of the plot need work, but the production values were all right. So I definitely recommend watching it and making your own mind up. 
I don't think it's going to necessarily ruin the original craft for you because that one is still 100% better. But it is going to, I guess, make you a little bit uncomfortable in the middle with just some of the stuff that they imply and say about witchcraft. But in the end, you can probably still have fun watching it, um, even if some of it is slightly confusing and the ending is just kind of like a long, wet fart of stuff being pulled out of someone's ass. And on that note, I leave you. If you have any other films that you'd like to recommend me taking a look at, do get in touch. Tell me what your favourite song was on the original Craft soundtrack. I'd be interested to find out. And in the meantime, I'll see you in the next one. Bye!